millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Any Stupid Questions. political podcast that wants to ask stupid questions about big issues questions like what the fuck is wrong with boris johnson <laughs> joining me today to discuss universities is john morgan news editor of times higher education and with him comedians tom neenan and grania mcguire <laughs> so um john i'm gonna start i have a question for you and my question is this why does anybody bother going to university when it costs £9,500 a year? Well, the first answer would be that there are huge benefits to individuals in terms of their earnings. There was a study in 2013 tried to estimate lifetime earnings for graduates compared with people who just got two A-levels and didn't go on to university. The figures they came up with were £252,000 extra in earnings for women and 168000 extra for men from being a graduate. So, so you're so saying there's no wage gap? No, so, you're not saying that. <laughs> actually, actually, it's a big, it's a bigger earnings premium yeah. for, for women. But you don't just have to look at the earnings benefits. There's a lot of research showing that there are big social benefits from being a graduate. If you're a graduate, you're more likely to have higher levels of health, less likely to commit crimes. Your children are likely to have higher standards of health, likely to have higher standards of educational attainment. So there are a huge range of, of benefits from higher education and actually the social benefits are arguably just as important as the financial benefits in terms of earnings. What level of tuition fee would it be before that stops being the case? How, how far can the government push tuition fees? £20,000 a year? £30,000 a year? Well, this year, the yes. tuition fee is £9,250. Yes, because they capped it, haven't exactly, they? Exactly. The government yeah. has said it's not going to push it any further. That's going to be capped, whereas yeah. the previous plan had been to raise that in line with inflation. So what the government's reacting to there is the perceived popularity of Jeremy Corbyn with younger voters at the election. Labour had a policy to scrap tuition fees and reintroduce student maintenance grants. Mm -hmm. And then Theresa May has also said that there's going to be a major review of university funding and student finance. So there could be a lot, a lot more changes coming down the track as well. Because I assume we all went to university. Did you go to university, Tom? Yeah, I went to the University of Life. Okay. <laughs> And Durham. And I was wondering, <laughs> do universities breed a bunch of people who need to toughen up? They get to sit around, they get everything looked after, and they get these safe spaces. And should we not be encouraging people to just get out there and work? 
It's a cruel world out there. Toughen up in, in what sense exactly? Toughen, just toughen up. Because <laughs> no, um, what happens is people graduate and they go into a job market that doesn't exist and then they start crying and whining and blogging about it. So, <laughs> so, so uh, what, what, your series is on radio? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I don't have a leg to stand on. Um, uh, shouldn't people just fresh out of school get out in the job market because it's going to be tougher after three years and they've got the debt they should just get working surely well it does sound quite tough having to um, take on borrowing to fund your own studies you've got the pressure of finding a job and what is really tough job market at the end of it that's that's pretty tough that's quite a tough introduction to life and what kind of jobs are on offer for people who don't go to university if you wanted less people to go to university I think you'd have to create a much stronger system of vocational technical education so you'd need a better alternative to university for one thing and it would also be about a different kind of economy you're probably talking about something a bit more like Germany where people go into apprenticeships and work in kind of small and medium-sized manufacturers well if we want something like that then we need an economy more like Germany we need to have you know more high-end manufacturing we need to have the kind of vocational system of education that those manufacturers then feed off. I would say you can't really change the university system in isolation. It's about the economy around it as well. Yeah, they should have won the Second World War, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. fine. But if you think about, like, so university, that prepares you for life because you survive, you survive Freshers' Week. Mm-hmm. You've got traffic light bulbs. <laughs> You've survived phone parties. True. You learn how to lie about mental illness, so you get your extension for your essay. <laughs> <laughs> These are all valuable skills that you'll need in the job market. That is true. But have you got any questions, Gronia? I do. Because I've read different reports saying that actually there's more people from sort of like poor working class families actually going to university now since fees have gone up. Is that true? That is correct. The proportion of disadvantaged students is at, is at record levels. A few reasons why that might be. One might be the state of the, the labour market. Obviously, we're still struggling with the legacy of the financial crisis and Britain was hit really hard by that so people might be making judgment thinking what chances do I have of getting a Mm -hmm. decent well-paid job if I don't go to university and the other thing might be that people have understood the student loan system quite well so you don't have to pay back what you've borrowed until you graduate and until you earn £21,000 you won't start repaying actually that's going up to £25,000 that threshold in in 2018 another change the government's made and you repay your loan at 9% of your earning of your monthly earnings above that threshold and anything you haven't repaid after 30 years gets written off so people have understood that if you go on to be a low earner you're not going to have to repay the loan at all or not repay it in full the vast majority of people won't repay it in full so a lot of people think actually we shouldn't be calling it a debt and loans because that's risks deterring people's psychologically debt is a damaging idea and the university's minister joe johnson is one of those people he recently said we should not be talking about debt and loans we should be calling it a time limited income linked graduate contribution which sounds catchier (laughs) it's it's possibly not snappy enough to catch on more widely but you can see the argument he's trying to make and yeah so that might be one of the reasons that people have understood how the system works Tom and Gronya, can I ask you where you lived in your first year at university? I lived in, uh, I went to university in Dublin 
Uh, so I lived in Drumcondra for a little bit, and then I lived in Ranelagh for a little bit. Did you live in halls? Oh, <laughs> rather than... <laughs> I mean, it's lovely. <laughs> no, I lived in a shared flat. You I lived in a shared flat with other students. And Tom, how about you, first year? Yes, yeah, so at Durham I went to a college called Grey, and there there's a building called Oswald Building, and that's particularly about the building is called Oswald West, where the underlay of the carpet had rotted, but they couldn't get it out, so the whole thing had a particular smell, and you can just tell anyone who went to that particular building because they all smell the same oh that's amazing because for me a big issue that would put me off going to university is luxury student accommodation how has that been allowed to happen how have we got into a situation where you can still be going to study art and design at hull i don't know if they do that really sorry if you're at hull and they don't <laughs> have a degree and you're being forced to pay 125 pounds a week for luxury student comment like no 18 year old needs their own toilets no. it's not a thing <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right in that there's there's been a lot of research showing that students living costs are actually yeah. the key issue uh, rather than the, the headline fee cost it's the amount of money they have to actually live on while they're at university so maintenance grants have recently been abolished that was a george osborne move to save money or, and make the deficit look better so now whereas the poorest students previously would have been able to get a grant now they just have to take out a loan up to a, a maximum of about eight thousand pounds but that tapers off according to your household income so that's quite a small number of proportion of people get that there have been suggestions that another of the moves the government's going to make as it gets rather panicked about the impact that jeremy corbyn's had with the free tuition policy mm-hmm. the policy to bring back maintenance grants maybe the government is going to bring back maintenance grants quite quickly, which would be a very swift reversal of the George Osborne decision. That's not enough to make young people vote Conservative, though, <laughs> right? I mean... It would have to be part of a, a batch. A, of, a, a batch of left-wing principles. <laughs> <laughs> but it would have to be part of a bigger you know, plan for, for reforms to university finance. Surely our, our economy will be better if more people, you know, third-level degrees and educated... So is it just real short-termism that they're not looking after student rent and stuff like that? Surely they should be like, yeah, we want loads of people to go to university. For political reasons, that will be for a better policy. I think the government would, up until the post-election, Corbyn panic among elements of the Conservative Party. Actually, the, the university's minister, Joe Johnson, was saying that the system's performed extremely well and the number of disadvantaged students has continued to rise overall student numbers have continued to rise so actually they hadn't been deterred because of the way the loan system was constructed but scrapping of the maintenance grants is seen as potentially transformative change that could completely disrupt that we don't know we have to see how that feeds through but definitely the government does want you know more people to go to university the government abolished the cap on student numbers in 2015 so whereas previously each university was told how many students it could recruit as a maximum and there was a maximum number overall that's all gone so in theory there's no limit to the amount of students who can enter higher education it's just dependent on their willingness to do so and and the willingness of universities to recruit them so yeah the, the government's view is that it wants more people to go to university and sees that as an economic asset. Is it an ideological broadening the minds, making people smarter in the way that Tony Blair sold it with his 50%, he wanted 50% of people to go to university because it would make us, you know, culturally and knowledgeably richer, or is it more to do with everybody? I mean, not everybody can have a high-income job. I would say that 
up until now, when we've seen mainly the government talking about wanting to get more people to go to university, that could now change. Now we've got this major review coming. Yeah. Up until now, I'd say the major driver for why this government wanted more people to go to university was because of the economic consequences. So human capital theory position that more people in getting skills that leads to increased productivity if you have more graduates i'd say there's been too much emphasis on that side possibly it's a bit one-sided that that's just kind of a supply measure get loads of graduates coming through expect to get economic growth from it but there's also the side where government industrial strategy matters in terms of creating the skilled jobs that that people would do once they're graduates investment in infrastructure also creates jobs you know helping grow the economy in the regions what kind of graduate jobs are people going to get in the in the northeast without building up the infrastructure and investing in the northeast and and bringing back companies and and jobs yeah um to, to areas like that so there's probably needs to be balanced out with other measures rather than just expecting that expansion of of graduate numbers is is automatically going to lead to good things for the economy. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Finding your perfect home was hard. But thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. hear a lot about say no platforming of people at universities people who shouldn't be allowed to speak at universities and stuff like that i'm kind of interested to know do you think that should be encouraged that there should be people who shouldn't be allowed to speak at universities which obviously places of learning or do you think you know students should be allowed to hear whoever they want to speak and make up their own minds the normal position is that if you're going to have a speaker whose views are controversial in some way that you would offer an opportunity or or have a panel that includes an alternative voice to that so you're balancing things out in some way that's the position that a lot of universities take and is kind of almost a a standard a lot of this kind of debate is coming from the US so I think in this country we're starting to see more of a, a culture wars approach to universities where they're often portrayed as somehow 
bastions of, of liberal ideas that are intolerant of right of centre or conservative. Not Loughborough. <laughs> <laughs> Not Loughborough. Do you think it's a result of because students sort of see themselves as consumers rather than students because they pay so much for fees? They're like, they feel more in, entitled to be, you know, like, oh, I don't want to hear this, or rather than sort of more sort of humility, like I'm here to learn. That, that could be a factor. There's certainly been a shift to students seeing themselves as more as consumers. Now they have, obviously have to pay more money for their education. And there's surveys showing that student satisfaction with the value for money they get is, is going down, obviously, as they have to pay more money. Connection with kind of campus free speech issues, poss- possibly. I thought a comedy writing course as part of a university degree. And the students were such little brats. They expected comedy writing to be fun. <laughs> they genuinely thought this was going to be a blow-off class, and I arrived in being right. Ten jokes about the colour blue. You've got, you know, go for it. You've got two minutes, and they're like, "Oh, we could just watch YouTube clips." Do you think there are some courses that don't ha- offer good value for money? I mean, how how come rubbish universities with rubbish courses can still charge nine thousand two hundred fifty a year? Can you sat right there, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably take a bit of issue with the the phrase rubbish universities, but usefully there is a huge amount of new data that's just been published addressing that very point. In the summer, the government published the first batch of this data called Longitudinal Education Outcomes, or LEO. It's more exciting. Is it a good read? It's more exciting than it sounds, and it's very important. So basically this is looking at people's tax returns, and records on where and what they studied on an anonymized basis and you put it all together and produce a big big data project that tells you the average graduate earnings for each course Mm -hmm. at each university and what they're looking at is people's median earnings five years after graduation yeah so that produces some interesting figures and i can tell you about some of the figures all right corbin It's quite a data so reference. Sorry. It's, it's kind of grouped into subject areas. And the course with the best median earnings five years after graduation, it's in the Business Administrative Studies group, £71,700. Do you know which university that might be at? Um, Loughborough. <laughs> <laughs> really take you a Guess kick again. Plymouth. Guess again. Keel. No. Is it one of the London ones? No, I'm going to put you out of your misery. It's what o- is it? It's Oxford. Oh, that seemed too obvious. <laughs> Those nerds. Well, it's, <laughs> it is pretty obvious data in some ways. Next is uh, Law, the university with the highest earnings on that, £61,400. Can you guess that? Hang on, is this their average earning after five years? Yeah. Fucking hell, <laughs> I did the wrong course. <laughs> <laughs> that is, um, is that, I don't know, I don't know where you go to study law. Is that Oxford as well? You're getting very good at this. Yes, yes. I'll I'll do one more. Next is uh, economics at this particular university, 61,000, five years after graduation. Is it Oxford again? Is it Cambridge? Yes. Oh, Oh, so they are good universities. (laughs) Um, Is there an index on which university produces the coolest students? (laughs) There is no data on that. Um, It's University College Dublin. Am I right? I think... I think actually there has been some kind of look at which universities have the most cachet and creative subjects, etc., which kind of equated to coolness. But in terms of the graduate earnings, data shows a very clear link between the A-level grades or other kinds of grades that people get 
and that closely links to their social background. So what this is really telling us is that the people who get the highest graduate earnings come from affluent backgrounds and go to the most selective universities. Yeah. So it's not that surprising, but this is it's really important data, this, because there's been a lot of briefings from the government to the newspapers. At the time this major review of university funding was announced, some people in government clearly want to use these are suggesting that these graduate earnings figures should be used to set the fee caps for universities. So some people in government are worried that all universities charge the maximum. I think that's a problem. There's no so-called price competition. So they want to force down uh, the fee cap at universities that are perceived to be doing less well on their graduate earnings. But as we can see, this gra these graduate earnings figures are really very closely linked. They're, they're telling about social background of the university students and also where the university is located, which region is a really crucial factor in the kind of level of earnings its graduates go on to get, because obviously a university in the Northeast that keeps a lot of its graduates in the Northeast yeah. will have lower earnings than a university that sends all its graduates to London. And is this surely a, a table like this is going to put people off doing arts degrees as well? So I studied philosophy and I loved my degree and I'm really glad I got to do it. But if I was picking a, a course now, I don't think I'd I don't think I would choose to do such a valueless... <laughs> no, I loved it. it was a re I really loved my degree, but it's not had any impact on my future earnings. I could have done a degree in golf, and I could still... <laughs> in fact, I probably would have had more Edinburgh shows. Um, is this basically the death of the arts and humanities? That would certainly be a worry that people who are concerned about this data would express, and if you look at the data, then um, if you look at the... A uh, course that comes out with the lowest earnings five years after graduation. It is creative arts and design. <laughs> oh. Conservatoire for dance and drama. It's £10,000. But there's a big problem with how the data sort of looks at the creative subjects because it doesn't include earnings data from people who are self-employed. So a lot of people in the oh. creative arts. Cash in hand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest, I think I would have dragged those stats down. <laughs> but, 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 but you're right, the, well, what the government is hoping to use this data is to sort of nudge students towards the subjects that have higher earnings in the hope oh, that they will earn more money, pay higher taxes, contribute to the economy. But there would be a concern about possibly students being directed away from courses in the arts and humanities as well. But do you not think that students who are attracted to like the creative arts and writing, you need to figure in the deluded factor? Because <laughs> they'll be the ones going, yeah, but in two years' time, I'll probably be in Hollywood, so it's going <laughs> to impact me. Yeah, that's not in your data. <laughs> <laughs> to move it back onto the fees and the loan system, just for one moment. So the, the loans are owned by a, a private company. There's a loan book that has been sold to a company, yes? Uh, no, it's a government backed loan provided by the student loans company and the student um, loans if, company is if, if people can't be traced for some reason then yeah the student loans company can hire the debt enforcement but the student loans company is government owned it's government backed yeah. what, sorry I don't mean to what kind of debt enforcement <laughs> are they hiring <laughs> there's been a bit of concern about people who fail to keep their contact details up to date and the student loans company finds it can't trace them and then pass, passes their details on to are my legs going to get broken <laughs> <laughs> Do you have to make sure you keep your contact <laughs> How easy is it to spend your entire life doing degrees and then faking your own death? Is that a thing that... I'd love to go and do another degree. I'd love to like do an MA or something, but it's so expensive. I guess one of the arguments is, when you're 18 and you're looking at this idea of debt, 
it sort of you can kind of say well it's just going to be a tax on my earnings and when I earn more money but if you wanted to go to university at 40 it's putting off mature students isn't it there is a big problem in the system with how mature students have reacted and the fact that student numbers for part-time students a lot of whom will be mature students who, who have jobs and want to study part-time they've absolutely gone off a cliff under the new system and David Willits who was university's minister when this was introduced has said that that's his biggest regret over the system the fact that part-time student numbers have, have gone down so badly it's, it is a bit of a crisis in in part-time that if there is going to be a major review of university funding as the prime minister says then yeah. that is really something that needs to be looked at how about if fees go down the older you are so if you don't do a degree till you're 50 you only have to pay 50 pounds <laughs> <laughs> it's a good idea you i guess you might get what's called perverse incentives with a kind of huge numbers of 50 plus year olds wanting to study but um, you don't want them at the traffic light ball though do you (laughs) (laughs) mature students don't need to go to university anymore we've got ted talks there's no need for anybody to do as a mature student to do a degree or an ma ever again because there'll be a ted talk on it or a podcast podcast on everything there are podcasts on everything So we've got time for one more question each. Tom, do you have one? Can anyone set up a university in the same way that anyone can become president of the United States? (laughs) In the future, that would appear more likely because the government introduced a, a new act earlier this year that makes it easier to set up new higher education institutions um (laughs) should we go in together yeah whereas previously they would have had if you wanted to start up a new institution you would have had to get sort of a validation agreement with the university where there would have been some you'd had to offer the university's degrees and they would have been keeping check on you now from the get-go you'll be able to award your own degrees on a probationary basis so if you fancy it Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, My question is kind of two-part. Who is in charge of deciding that degrees were three years? Like, it seems like an arbitrary amount of years. And why don't people wear cloaks and mortar boards anymore? Could they make a comeback? On the first question, that's sort of down to the educational culture in different countries. So in the US, four-year degrees are are much more the standard, and you have... They have more ad breaks. (laughs) (laughs) And there's kind of a broader education where you don't specialise in your degree at such an early stage, so you have a broader first year. It's more of an all-round education. In this country, obviously, they prefer the specialised aspect, so it's a, it's a three-year system. So it's, it's kind of down to sort of national cultures around education. On mortar boards and gowns, people do wear do them. They? Yeah, they wear them at Does graduations, I mean- at Oxford and Cambridge in particular, some examinations you have to wear a gown but like just wandering around going to your lectures it's it's probably quite unusual so any particular reasons you'd like to see them make a comeback i like the drama of it (laughs) (laughs) i think they should make a comeback my dad refused to get a graduation photo of me because he said the only time you ever see graduation photos is on the news when someone's been kidnapped so (laughs) (laughs) never got to wear a mortarboard i've actually told i look so disgusting in my graduation photo that i've told my parents that's one they cannot use (laughs) should i get murdered absolutely um so my final question is what course would you absolutely not allow your children to take? <laughs> Come on, you must know which one that is. Well, I've talked up 
the social benefits of higher education. So um, I'd be a bit hypocritical if I was saying, you know, there's one course that you, you shouldn't choose because I'm sure, you know... Hotel management. Yeah. <laughs> individual benefits in terms of improved health and lower likelihood of committing crime and all, all kinds of social benefits for the economy. But I told you the course that had the, the lowest graduate you earnings. Did. So if, if that's, uh, if that's, the, kind <laughs> if that's of, the one kind of data you want to look at and make your decisions on that the government has provide, provided that for you now but you so you wouldn't ever say oh darling please don't do that course well i did english so maybe i'd dissuade <laughs> my children from taking english see i think it's a real shame that we're losing people studying wonderful things but they're the nerds if they're not willing <laughs> to spend nine grand a year so they can read beowulf in the original <laughs> middle english <laughs> screw them more for us well I think that just about covers it. Um, thank you very much, John Morgan. <laughs> Any Stupid Questions was hosted by me, Danielle Ward. My guests were Gronya Maguire, Tom Neenan, and John Morgan from the Times Higher Education magazine. It was recorded at the Phoenix in Cavendish Square and produced by Ed Morrish for the internet. If you enjoyed our podcast, then subscribing, rating, and reviewing it will help other people find it. And you can also tell them about the show with your mouth. <laughs>